0: Hello, and welcome to episode 234 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Fatima K to The Modern Manager community. And a warm welcome to all of you. And thank you for spending the next 30-ish minutes with me. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider supporting the show by becoming a member. There are two levels, $5 or $15 per month. And with both, you get to be part of a growing community of folks who are doing their part to make our workplaces more inclusive, enjoyable, and successful. Each level includes different forms of support, but both get access to the private members only podcast feed with extended interviews with each of my guests and my one page of key takeaways from the episode. So you'll have a handy reference and you don't have to worry about taking notes when you listen. Head on over to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more about membership. Today's guest is Jeannie Love. Jeannie has been trying to figure out how to stay focused and attentive, how to decrease procrastination, and how to manage to-do lists, and generally how to get things done her entire adult life. As an executive functioning coach, she brings her personal trial and error experience as well as 20 years of experience teaching high school students with ADD and autism to help adults take control of their time and attention. Jeannie and I talk about what neurodiversity means and how our work environments help or hinder different ways that people's brains work. We get into strategies to help yourself and your team members to create workplaces that work for all different brains. Now here's the conversation.
1: You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rockstar boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer stewart
0: Thank you so much for joining me today, Jeannie. I am super psyched for this conversation. We're going to be talking about like how the brain works and how to accommodate how different brains function, which is, I just think, super fascinating and also like really practical given all of us are different humans and we all have different needs and we're all trying to figure out how to work together effectively.
2: Yeah, thanks. I also love thinking about how different people think. So I'm excited to talk to you today. All
0: right. Let's just start at like this the highest level, which I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, is this idea of kind of neurotypical versus neurodiverse. And maybe it doesn't have to be a versus, but these are kind of two big, broad categories. Of how brains function. So, can you explain what those are? And if I got that wrong, then please like correct me and tell me what are the the kind of big categories of how brains work?
2: I think you, neurotypical, might be the person who we just typically expect to show up in the workplace and just do the job well. Everything kind of flows smoothly. Of course, we all have things that we're stronger with or struggle with. But generally speaking, we all are able to just kind of keep up and move along at the same pace. Someone who is neurodiverse or neurodivergent, their brain works a little bit differently. They may have a diagnosed disability such as dyslexia or ADHD or autism, something along those lines. And so they have some kind of, well, they have areas where they struggle with and have had those areas. I have a background in education as well. So they've had them their whole lives. But there's a lot of different thinking that comes along with it because the sort of typical way the brain is wired that makes your typical worker or your typical person, your typical thinker, theirs is wired a little bit differently. And so you get different styles of thinking, different styles of problem solving, different styles of communication. Those all are things that come along with having the people in your life that are neurodivergent.
0: I like this framing because it it is so helpful to think about our kind of standard expectations of what is typical and then to understand that that is just kind of what's typical. that's not necessarily the right or only way to be, right? By saying that we have what's kind of typical, not what's normal, but what's typical. And then we have, this category of folks whose brains work differently. And that comes with all kinds of stuff, right? Sometimes there are frustrations and and what feels like cons to it. And sometimes there are these beautiful, wonderful pros and amazing other things that come. But it starts by just saying like, what's typical doesn't necessarily mean normal and doesn't necessarily mean right. And when you open yourself up to this, And the more conversation we can have around this,
2: the more you're going to find that you can maybe imagine in your mind, someone that you know, who is a bit eccentric or thinks differently, and you don't always understand where they're coming from, or really struggles to stay on top of the projects or manage their time. So you can envision that person, but then you can step back a little bit and think about the people, there might be some people on the fringe, which is kind of where I identify myself a little bit, where it's just like. There are some of these things I specifically do like executive functioning coaching which is things like prioritizing your the work that needs to be done, managing multiple projects at one time, transitioning between one task to the next task, and the more I have spent time with my clients and the more I've analyzed my own experience I see that I also have some of these tendencies. And so then you can start to see everybody on sort of a range of neurodivergent thinking which is really interesting.
0: Oh my gosh, yes, right? To to actually blend these buckets and say it's actually a range rather than two categories is I think really helpful especially because a lot of us struggle with the these different executive functioning components, right? And we're not all like robots that just can do everything all the time perfectly. So to see that, it as right. right as that range as you're describing it I think is really helpful and to understand that some people have are farther on one end of this of this kind of spectrum than others and yes. it may be and it may be on different categories and so all of that matters when we're trying to figure out how to work effectively with people and get them to do these things we need them to do like turn things in on time or manage projects. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about where some of these frictions come up. Like We talked a little bit already, raised a few around like maybe time management or prioritization. But are there places that you've seen or your clients have really struggled where when we have different tendencies or different brain wirings where that like these are points that become kind of frictions or where the hot points bubble up and makes it just really hard to work with people?
2: Or understanding where someone's thoughts are coming from can be an interesting thing to think about. So an example of that would be, I tell my own example, which is I've always enjoyed leadership. I've been on leadership teams and education, and there was sort of this new policy that was to be implemented, this new process of looking at students. And so we had to put a whole new framework in place. And I love designing that kind of thing. And so my brain has a tendency to bounce around from idea to idea. And I don't always get that you are not along with me for the ride. And so I shared this sort of vision that I had. And the people at the table look at you. and They don't have any idea where you're coming from. Completely forget what you're just not interested in what you have to say. And the conversation moves on without you. And so then a lot of my clients are carrying some baggage from being misunderstood their whole academic career as children, and then not really, maybe they're undiagnosed. Maybe they don't know that they have ADHD or autism. And so then they have, it kind of affects your feelings of self-worth and you don't understand why people don't understand you. And then this committee that I was on a few days later, someone who maybe is a little more neurotypical, explained that idea, that same idea in a different way. And suddenly everyone was on board and I couldn't believe it. I was like, but I just suggested this four meetings ago, we could have been so far ahead. And so there can be like frustrations because we're not communicating the same way. We're not thinking the same way. And so that can cause some problems if you're working in teams and you don't understand how everyone communicates that might be an example. Being overwhelmed and not really being able to sort through the different tasks that are kind of coming at you and then not being able to handle that and becoming a little emotional about it. That can be a huge problem for some of my clients. And so how do we slow down and and take a look at what's in front of you and make a plan for tackling that is an issue that my clients run into. Balancing time, work, work life, personal life, and and how do you find time to work deeply on something and not be pulled away? Those are some of the examples of some things that pop up for my clients.
0: Yeah, these are such great examples. I want to add a couple that I've experienced. Okay. So my husband is dyslexic, undiagnosed. My daughter is dyslexic, diagnosed. And both of them hate writing. And we live in a world where you have to write emails, and you have to write memos, and you have to write documents. And it is it takes so much time for them, and is so exhausting. And my husband has gotten around this by basically adopting a very curt style of writing. And he asks me to edit his emails or like write emails for him when he has to like be very polite or like have all the all the grammar correct. And for for so much of us like we just take for granted that like everyone can write you learn to write everyone can write and yet for some people writing is really hard and it's not like a skill that they just haven't developed it's how their brain is wired and it takes a very long time and yes we can all improve regardless of where we start from but it doesn't mean that it's not exhausting to do it right so i feel like we, we forget sometimes oh yeah like we're what what's easy for me is not necessarily easy for everyone else. And to your yes. point of being overwhelmed, right? I can look at that same list of tasks and be like, oh, this this is so easy. Why is it so hard for you? And we need to have empathy, I think, and, and figure out how to how to support people rather than kind of be frustrated by them on the other side.
2: Yeah. And I think you when you mentioned that point about writing being exhausting. It is exhausting to try to try to cover up for these weaknesses all the time, and so Ah. yes, if we can get to know each other a little bit better and be a little bit more open and have more open conversations about where they are, and put teams together that support different strengths and weaknesses, then you would just be bringing forth so much more passion and light and life from your team because. They don't have to hide the fact that they can't ever find the document that they know they filed in a way in a really good place, but just just <laughs> don't know where that is. so that's a lot of pressure to be like, "I just don't know where that is." so yeah, to take away that fear of talking about where we struggle
0: so i want to I want to dive into this on two sides. so first is what can people do when they want to share with their team or their boss or their colleagues, hey, this is who I am. This is what's really hard for me. Or if I have a diagnosis and you want to share it, like this is what it is and this is what it means and this is how it comes out or this is how I function. Like what tips do you have for how people can can say that in a way that is accessible to their colleagues and not sounding like excuses, but also like helping people really understand. So I want to hear that. And then secondly, how do you as a colleague or a boss respond appropriately when someone shares that with you.
2: So, for you to share that with someone else, I would practice. Practice what that would look like with people in your family who you trust and will give you some feedback. Start to pinpoint what are what are some of the most important things that you would bring up. So, an example again for me is I'm working with a friend and we're going through this business program together and she's incredibly tech savvy. And she teaches me all these tech hacks and how to improve my search engine optimization and all of this. And I I just have openly said to her, and I will say it over and over again, that just does not sit with my brain for a long period of time. So thank you for sharing that with me. Could you please remind me of that? again in a few weeks when I'm ready to tackle it. I also have a very hard time doing more than one thing at a time. So to be very clear, this week I have this going on and I just really need to focus my time and energy onto that. Can you help me come back to whatever the next thing is next week? So practice it, figure it out, try to figure out what are the things that are tripping you up, holding you back, getting in the way. Have that conversation with a coworker who you trust, get comfortable with that. And then I hope that you have a manager who you can go to that you trust that you're then ready to have that conversation with. Then on the other side, the manager really see that person for what they have to contribute to your team and remember that so that when you are hearing hearing something that they need support with you're willing to be creative and to come up with creative ideas to help them manage that and i have an example for this i was having a conversation with a man recently and he was a manager of a team and he had he had an employee who was late with some legal paperwork so of course that cannot be turned in late he was furious was ready to fire this employee And said on Monday morning, this absolutely 100% needs to be on my desk. So the employee went away for the weekend, wrote up the report, came back. And this, so the manager's assistant said, Before you fire this man, you need to read this report that he wrote. And the report was brilliant. And this man has ADHD, which the manager didn't know. And so he, at that point, the manager is like, whatever you need to continue to be able to do this work, we are going to put into place for you. And so when we can have those conversations, understand each other a little bit better, see the value in what you're bringing to the team, then we can all move forward and get creative on and how to cope with some of these perceived weaknesses together.
0: Oh, I love this story, right? <laughs> like it's it shows like we can't, we need to give people some space and a chance to make up for mistakes, but also like to understand that there's some really incredible talented folks out there that whose brains just work a little differently and sometimes they need different kinds of accommodations or support. So that's just so awesome. And I want to go back to what you were just saying about how to share and and really like making it real about this is where I struggle or this is what's hard for me. And maybe even like, this is what I'm going to need, right? Like I'm going to need a reminder. Can you help, help me remember? Or can you help me prioritize? Or can you help me do this? And I, I think it's so, like, I feel like we don't always ask for help and we don't always share what we struggle with because we get nervous that people are going to judge us or our boss is going to be disappointed or we're going to somehow look, you know, incapable of doing the job. And that when we actually can say without the like big heavy baggage and emotion, this is what I need to be successful. Like I can do, I'm I'm going to do great work. I just need a little bit of help around the edges sometimes. That that yeah. is a totally different framing. And I really hope that managers who hear that from their team members, as you said, will respond by saying, awesome, that's my job. My job is to make sure you are set up for success. And if you need some extra reminders, let's figure out how to get that set up or automated. Or if you need some help prioritizing, great. Let's figure out how we can get you that. Yeah, I love
2: it. Or it's incredibly challenging. This is what someone on play might say, that it's really challenging for me to focus deeply. And once I get into that, I really need to stay there for an extended period of time without interruption. So what does that look like with regard to responding to emails or to Slack? notices or to people who come by and want to talk with you because I have a difficult time switching between tasks and so I need this time to be really focused on this work so what sort of system can we put into place that shows you that I'm I'm deeply into work and I, I or my my other teammates that I'm deeply into work and and really cannot be interrupted just things like that
0: yes 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 and when it's framed like you said as this is how I can do my best work right you're you're like showing that you really care as an employee by telling people like this is how I can do my best. All right, I want to shift gears here for a second and switch over and talk about physical space and the impact of physical space on our brains, our focus, our attention because I know that at least for the folks who are in my world who have varying degrees of needs that physical space is a huge has a huge impact on them. So can you share a little bit about the role of physical space?
2: Yes, it's
0: very important.
2: The amount of visual stimuli that is coming at you by people walking by, the amount of, of sound that is coming from around you, all of that can be incredibly distracting. So what does it look like maybe to create a space where there's Walls or boundaries that kind of help block off your peripheral vision, the color of the paint, calming color as opposed to bright white, the lighting as opposed to fluorescent lighting, but a different style of lighting or the opportunity in your office to dim the lighting or to use lamps, smells is your office near the break room where people are using the microwave to warm up the food that can be very distracting to some people. Another thing would be the layout of the space as far as the ability to get up and move. So a lot of people, you know, you do this big intensive deep work and then your brain is very, it feels very full, very busy. And so to be able to just stand up and walk away whether it's just down to the end of the hall to get a glass of water or to be able to go outside and walk around the block something like that or or into the stairwell up and down the stairs that is hugely important some people are much more creative when they move better ideas come to them so even just being able to pace up and down the hallway while you're thinking on something quiet spaces to take a break you know the break room where the people are might not be a break to everyone who needs to calm down all the noise that's going on in their brain. So, is there a quiet space to get away from your computer, to get away from your phone, to just relax and let your thoughts settle a little bit? All of those things, I think, are that. That's a great way to start and reevaluating your space. Um, so, from at working at home, all of those same things. As well, really give thought to the space that you're working, make sure that it's set up with all of the materials that you need, your glass of water, the same thing, whether you need to put on the headphones to cut out some sounds or to dim the lights. I guess all of those same things can easily be translated to setting up a positive home working. Effect.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I you just named so many things I had never even like thought of because they don't, they don't impact me, but they definitely impact people and colleagues I worked with. I was at a board meeting for an organization that I sit on the board of, and we had the staff join us. And the first thing that we did collectively was go around and introduce ourselves. And one of the questions we had to respond to were our access needs. And people said all kinds of things, ranging from I have a really terrible memory. And so I will probably not remember your name if you're not wearing your name tag. Two, I have an extreme reaction to fragrance. So if I if you're wearing perfume or you have a strong shampoo in your hair and I get a whiff of that, I may have to walk away. I'm trying I'm really hard. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude, but I just may need to separate myself from that space. I mean, to all kinds of other things. And it was amazing. It was the first time I was anywhere where we had done that. And the I, the, the things that people shared about themselves were so helpful. Like, I got to yeah. say, it was a little weird at first. I was like, what are we doing? This, isn't, this is, a, do I have any access needs? But then it became so helpful because then for the rest of the day, I felt like I understood people in a way. And I was able to speak up, a little louder when to the folks who needed had hearing issues and were able to acknowledge that and I wasn't then like am i mumbling and like i was like oh no no this person had told me like they need me to speak louder so i'm going to do my best and it just it set the tone and i feel like space as you were saying like there's so many elements of that that we just don't pay attention to and if no one tells us they need something different it's it's not always obvious to us that we need to do something about it. And so, again, going back to the like, speak up to your manager if this is you and or as managers, maybe reach out and ask your folks, hey, how's the space working? Like, do we need to shift the lighting? Should we try some different furniture or something else? Yes,
2: and I think to keep in mind as a manager would be that not everybody at this point knows exactly what they need or has the solution Ah. to what they struggle with. So that's why I have some of my clients is they're just learning about what they need and learning about some strategies to manage that. So if you see one of your team members is struggling, dig into that a little bit deeper and see if they need more coaching to come up with some strategies to manage that because so many adults did not get that education when they were in the school system. They snuck through the cracks barely and didn't get support to learn about who they are and what they need.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so true that right, so many adults, I feel like hopefully as the world continues to evolve and educators learn more about different types of brains and different types of needs, that we're getting better at, at diagnosing early. We're getting better at understanding and supporting kids younger and younger. But for a lot of adults in the workplace, you're totally right. They have They've never been told anything about themselves in this way. They may not realize and understand what's happening. They just know that they're struggling with something. So it's so important to offer that support. Yes, I want to lift up one other thing on the physical space. Can you talk about furniture? Because I know for my daughter this was a huge thing. So can you share a little bit about the like the physical, like desks and chairs and pens and other things that maybe can help people stay focused or help them if they have other kinds of like physical fidgetiness or other things that happen? Because I feel like the environment that you just described is so important. And then the other part of the environment is the furniture that we interact with.
2: Yeah. I think maybe we would start with the chair because maybe everybody's just given a stock chair. Here's your chair. But I actually prefer to have different chairs to sit in to depending upon the different type of attention that my work needs. And so if I am intently focused, then thinking really deeply, I want a very rigid, straight back chair. I don't want to be comfortable. But if you are doing something like, this is the time that I've set aside to catch up on my emails and to return on my slacks, you might want to put your feet up and recline back a little bit. So wouldn't it be amazing if you actually had your choice of places to? sit. I'm even imagining like a more casual break room where you could take your laptop in there, put your feet up, relax a little bit. And this is where I'm going to be doing my research, but it's not too intently or responding to those emails, something like that. The opportunity to stand and move, I think is hugely important. I've had people build tabletops that they can set on top of their workspace so that they're able to lift their computer and work from standing because that just makes you more alert again, especially at times that we're more lethargic. Standing up would be amazing. And just the ability to be open to people walking by and socializing, but then the ability to close that off. It could be visually. There's like walls that you can set up. Of course, a door open or closed would work. Headphones on maybe would mean that I'm very focused or headphones off means that I'm more open to collaborating or whatever. Yeah. I just think there's probably so many creative ideas about space. People do like the chairs without backs. So then you sit up or the balls that have been so popular so your little your butt, your core is working a little harder which will keep you more alert the ability to bounce your legs or have a little therapy band wrapped around so you can move your legs around if you need to fidget there's just so many creative ideas to make a workspace better for you to be able to concentrate and focus
0: yeah i love these and i feel like this is a great you know like lift up for working from home. And while all of the kind of conventional wisdom is set yourself a workspace, keep it separate from your home life so that you kind of go into work zone, there's probably something also really helpful about being able to pace around in your living room or go on your sofa when you're doing email occasionally to get that more relaxed space and that relaxed feel. And so there's probably some nice happy medium between creating that office feel and creating an environment where you can get all of your different needs met.
2: Yeah. I Yes. I had a client who just needed to move around a lot and he was working from home and sort of his small office space. And I encouraged him to reconsider the space of his house. And on those times when he feels his energy is a little high and he's having trouble sitting still to take his laptop. And we decided the kitchen counter was the best space for him to stand and work because he had a lot of energy and needed to be able to move. And so he started to do that. I mean, there's just so many ways to be creative. And I think having a flexible moving
0: office is
2: really useful.
0: Amazing. All right. Well, we have to start to wrap up. So Jeannie, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss?
2: I'm actually going to spin that a little bit and tell you about a teacher that I worked with. She is a coworker. I do have 20 years of experience in the education system at a high school, and she is to this day an incredible manager of students. And which anybody who has experience with high school students, you can imagine what it's like to manage a classroom of them. And what I saw, and I think this translates so well, is that there was this one, let's say, 10th grade boy. So maybe he's a little fidgety, maybe he's disrupting what's going on in the classroom. And you might expect that she would, some teachers would call them out publicly and kind of yell at them or whatever. She walked over to this person and just got down close to him and just said, it's time for you to take a break, go outside, get a drink of water, come back when you're ready to focus. And that's exactly what he did. He didn't take advantage of that. He didn't wander off for 30 or 45 minutes. He came back and he was ready to go in class. So to me, it just shows so much. It shows this huge value that she placed on him as a student. He wasn't just a disrupting person who was misbehaving, but that he was important to her She respected him. As a result, he respected her. He went out and took care of his business, came back and was engaged in the classroom. And it showed me too that as I was looking around her classroom, maybe 80% of the students in there, I mean, she knows them all, but maybe 80% of them don't need a lot of intervention. But maybe there's 20% that need a little bit more of her attention and she's willing to meet them where they are to bring out the best. In them, without any sort of frustration or anger or judgment, and so to me, I think this is just a beautiful way of managing. You know who your people are, you know what they bring to your departments, and you're willing to meet them where they are to give them the coaching and the support that they need in order to give you the very best while they're there. And so, to me, that's just that's how I began to improve my teaching. That's how I look at working with people, collaborating with people, supporting people, knowing people, understanding people.
0: So beautifully said and she sounds like a fantastic human. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Yes, so I'll, my website is
2: genie and that is spelled G E N I E L O V E.coach and you can email me at genie@ at JeannieLove.coach. And you can also find me on LinkedIn.
0: Well, thank you again so much. I definitely feel like I have learned a lot and want to revisit my physical space now and make sure that it's accommodating for all my team members. Thanks, baby. It was great to talk to you. Jeannie is offering a private 90 minute consulting session focused on simple strategies to support underutilized human assets in your organization. And she's providing this for one member of the modern manager community. She'll provide tips on the use of physical space, training and executive functioning, and strategies in recruiting, interviewing, onboarding, and retention in order to increase productivity and job satisfaction. To enter the drawing, you must be a patron-level member of the Modern Manager community or part of the Skills Accelerator and submit your entry by December 21st, 2022. To become a member, go to the slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, along with my key takeaway graphic for this episode. Get on the newsletter list at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration,
2: and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M E E T.
1: You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at MamieKS.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox.